Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos. So random fact about me. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe coincidences are little miracles where God decides to remain anonymous. Like a little nudge or a wink or a nod until we get the hint and we put all the pieces together. One of those little miracles has been nudging me for about a year. It's come up in my research and my own spiritual journey and in several of my interviews here. And that's on Lexio Divina. Lexio Divina, or divine reading, is defined as a traditional monastic practice of spiritual reading, meditation, and prayer intended to promote communion with God and to increase knowledge of God's word. When I read that, and when I had done my previous interviews on the topic of prayer, I always thought this style of prayer was reserved for the elite, monks, religious, saints, etc. But it kept coming up. And during my last interview with Sister Geraldine on the basics of prayer, it came up again. And she said this type of prayer is actually perfect for beginners. By now, this was like my sixth nudge. So I said, okay, God, you know what? Let's do this. Let's dive in to Lexio Divina. I'm excited to be joined via Zoom by the incomparable Father Jonathan Sawicki, the new pastor of St. Teresa of the Infant Jesus Church in New Cumberland, to unpack and uncomplicate this powerful form of prayer. Father Swicky, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure to have you on. I love being able to tap your brain about some of these more meatier topics than than I am equipped to talk about. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited to have you. It's wonderful to be back with you, Rachel. Thanks for the opportunity. In a bunch of episodes that I've done, we've, we've talked about prayer, we've talked about different types of prayer, we've talked about how to pray, and one thing that keeps coming up is Lectio, 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 I don't know, I'm not even sure I'm saying it correctly, um, Lectio Divina. Yeah, Lectio is perfect, Lectio Divina. Awesome. So what is Lectio Divina? What does it mean? Where did it come from? What are its origins? Sure. Literally translated, Lectio Divina means divine reading. Lectio, you think you sit through a lecture and someone reads at you, okay? Uh, in church, the book that the lector, you have that word again, lect, lector, you know, the lector reads from the lectionary, which has the book of all the readings. So in our Catholic lexicon, people, the Catholic dictionary that people pay attention to, this word comes up time and again. Divina, think of divine, okay? So it's it's a divine reading. It's a um, reading specifically of the sacred scriptures, which um, has as its origin an encounter with God, okay? Um, its roots, we can trace its roots back to uh, St. Benedict of Norcia. 
St. Benedict, who's the founder of Western monasticism or the monastic movement in the Latin church. Uh, the monastic movement was really uh, began in Egypt. Uh, the, the best we can tell was the Egyptian desert fathers and, and the, the holy men and women who moved out into the desert. But in the Latin church, it was St. Benedict who kind of gave them a rule of life and how to do this. And part of that rule of life was praying daily with the sacred scriptures, Alexio Divina. And so the Benedictine monks and nuns have been practicing this for a millennium and a half at least. Um, and from that divine reading of the sacred scripture, uh, they would get poetry, they would get a conversion of life, they would you know, have that personal conviction and conversion toward the Lord deeper and deeper every day. And that's how we get more and more holy men and women or saints. The, they come about because of that conviction of life in God in Christ Jesus. That's pretty amazing. I always knew that uh, certain words carried over to different parts of the church and like numerology and, and things like that. Like it all kind of comes full circle. So I think that's really cool that Lectio, Lectionary, that's, yeah. that's, that really just kind of hammers it home for me. Um, so I've often heard that this is referred to as a very powerful form of prayer. And clearly from what you just said, it, it has longstanding tradition um, going way, 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 way back. So what makes it so powerful and why should we incorporate it into our prayer routine? Number one, the word of God is living and effective. Okay, the scriptures it, themselves speak that line. So when we meditate or when we pray with the word of God, it's going to be for our spiritual good. It'll be for the salvation of our souls. The, the Christian needs to daily um, turn toward the Lord in prayer. We, we need to, uh, um, with the barrage of noise, of, of constant everything being flung at us, whether it's news or commentary or loud music, you know, and it's hard to, you know, just sit in silence sometimes. But one of the other ways of filling that silence is through our personal prayer. We can do that with the Word of God to be able to give us that daily nourishment of life. So it's good to have that incorporated in our in our prayer, you know, in our daily prayer routines. It's it's good for our soul. Um, just you know, praying with the rosary, which is a use of imaginative prayer as well as um, a meditative or contemplative prayer as well. The rote prayers, you know, people who sit down with a prayer book and they pray through their daily novena, you know, it's that it becomes a part of their breathing, okay? It's like this is part of their divine breathing, if you will. And so it's good that when we pray with scriptures, because we often say to people, we should spend 15 minutes a day in scripture, uh, praying with scripture. Well, what does that look like? And the, like the worst is, oh, oh, I started in Genesis. Oh, that works. How did you get, how did it happen? How did it go for you when you got to Leviticus? Like, oh, Father, it was really hard. Yeah, because that's really, I mean, it, it's all good for our salvation, necessary for our salvation. But I'll tell you, it, it's um, it, it's it's going to be a lot harder praying with um, Leviticus than it is with, oh, I don't know, the Psalms or Proverbs, or even better yet, the, the Gospels, the life of Jesus Christ. And so it's a way of 
praying with scripture. And when we meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, another line from sacred scripture that becomes part of our being, uh, we're able to receive the inspirations and the consolations that God wants to offer to us as, as his beloved children. So um, th this is why it's a powerful form of prayer. We, we're praying with the words that God inspired a human writer to write. Now, this will blow your mind a little bit. There's different ways of reading scripture. And there are some people, you know, our brothers and sisters in some of the evangelical churches or churches of the reform would say there's a plain sense of scripture and scripture will never contradict itself. So therefore, um, we can read scripture and it interprets itself. As Catholic Christians, I think this is very important. Um, as Catholic Christians, it's the church, the body of Christ, which has compiled the sacred scriptures and called it the Holy Bible, okay? It is the church that interprets the scriptures ultimately, okay? So we have to read the scriptures in harmony with the tradition of the church, okay? So that way, when we do Lectio Divina, some people will criticize it and say, see, you people, you Catholics, you do Lectio Divina, it's a form of divination. You open up a page and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do today? And then you put your finger on a word and say, look, you're divinely inspired, and now you have your own private revelation. Well, that's not what the church believes Lectio Divina to be, and it's set up as that. Or um, when we read the sacred scriptures, and where, you know, you could either, we could set a false dichotomy. We either read its, its, its spiritual meaning, or we do a scientific study. What did the Greek and the Hebrew words mean, and what did, uh, was going on? And um, on one side, it's very guided by the Holy Spirit. On the other side, it's this dull, lifeless, uh, scientific, linguistic study. Well, as our professors in seminary would always say, good good Catholicism is both and. And so it's important, you know, when we study the, when we read with the scriptures, you know, in our beautiful, you know, the St. Joseph study Bible that you can get at your local Catholic shop, right? There's a little, ex, the little snippets at the bottom that can explain what these words mean or, you know, what was going on in the Corinth community or Thessalonica, you know, to understand, well, why were these apostles writing these letters to these people? Oh, well, that can inform then our prayer, because we would believe that the admonitions that the Apostle Paul is giving to people in Corinth or Thessalonica or Ephesus are the same admonitions that he would be giving to us today. Anyway, so there's criticisms of our practice of Lexia Divina. I think that they're not totally understood or valued, or they set up false splits, false dichotomies. Another one, they, people would say, you shouldn't do it because people will then, you know, oh, I read the scriptures and, it, and, and therefore the scriptures are asking me to divorce my spouse. It's like, you know, we would defend the bond of marriage rather than, you know, say that you have a, a, a carte blanche to do whatever you want, you know, a blank check that, to get away with sin. So it, it's important to know, like, what is the form of prayer and how we're supposed to practice it? You know, the full breadth of our Catholic tradition, which is, you know, the study of scripture, what did the author intend? And then our own prayer for it. How does it apply to me? Because we believe the word of God is living and effective. And 
they're not opposed that they work they would work hand in hand for our spiritual good that sounds pretty awesome it's it's not just words on a page it's something that you can dive into which i think is like like we said it's very powerful so how does it work like let's say we want to we want to dive right in what's the process how do we how do we kind of make this work for us you know especially for people beginning in in prayer especially people beginning in the prayer i think as christians it's good to begin with the life of christ it's not to read a passage it's not to read a chapter it's to read a few lines and then you read them and then you try to find that one word that one phrase which would be of impact to me right here right now okay so you read and then you meditate on that little brief passage okay and you're going to say why 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 would god be speaking to me at this moment how is he impacting me at this moment with this what is this what am i learning about myself specifically in my in my relationship with with jesus christ with the grace of jesus christ the goal of prayer is not self discovery the goal of prayer is union with god now some people think oh i learned so much about myself sometimes we just got to get over ourselves you know sometimes we just got to say yeah I need to go to confession. I, you know, I need to, I need to, you know, take better care of myself physically, spiritually, my family life. Um, but ultimately, it's my relationship with Jesus Christ that I have to be. Uh, and the way that that relationship with Jesus Christ is lived out vis-a-vis -vis myself, people around me, my family, my coworkers, how I treat my body as a temple of the Holy Spirit, and how... I'm the presence of God uh, to, to the people I encounter. So anyway, you, you begin by reading something, and then you meditate on it, okay? You basically reflect on it. Then you pray about it, okay? And, and the goal of prayer is union with God. The goal of prayer is opening our hearts, our souls up to, the, to God's grace to transform us. And then at the end, you basically try to get a resolution you try to, you know, stay in the spirit of God and say, how do I take this experience of prayer with me? Here's the thing. It's very dangerous to chase after spiritual highs. There are people we want, you know, we want um, to know that we're, our praying is real. We want our prayers to be answered in the way we want, when we want, in the manner we want. That's how I know that my prayer is being answered. And all this spiritual fathers and mothers in our faith, uh, whether it's uh, Teresa of Avila or, you know, um, Ignatius of Loyola, uh, two of the greats who talked about consolation, desolation, you know, we don't, we're not supposed to chase after consolation. We shouldn't be looking for a new emotional high. That's a danger because it's a self-centered thing to look for. The goal of Lexio Divina is to try to take something, even if it's not that exciting, make it a part of ourselves, and then to be the better disciple of Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. When they talk about Lectio Divina, people say, oh, the Lectio Meditatio, or stop with the fancy Latin stuff. Okay, you know a little bit of Latin. Lectio, reading. Meditatio, thinking about it, considering it. 
oratio, praying, contemplatio, contemplating. And contemplating is not just like another form of meditation. Contemplation is trying to rest within it. There's four easy English words to remember, everybody. Read, reflect, respond, and rest. Thank you, Monsignor Paul Dockerty, a priest of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, spiritual uh, formation dean at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary 2001, who taught us the four steps of Lexio Divina. Read, reflect, respond, and rest. You're going to read over it, reflect on it. You, you, you understand why is God revealing this to me at this moment? Respond, okay, Lord, what is it that you want to say to me? Because our prayer is a conversation with God. So how am I responding to God? Okay, and then resting. It doesn't just mean being slain in the spirit and feeling all good about myself. Sometimes the resting in the word of God is saying, I got to do something about it. I, I'm, I'm done thinking about a vocation. I'm going to apply to seminary. Okay, I'm done thinking about apologizing. My wife. I'm going to apologize to my wife because of the harsh words I said after reading St. Paul's um, teaching on marriage, for instance. You know, so those are some of the things. What do, what do these things actually mean? Read, reflect, respond, rest. The four steps of Lectio Divina or this divine reading of the sacred scriptures. So when we talk about when we talk about reading, are we are we focusing on like a whole chapter? Are we focusing on a couple lines? Like, do you just you had used the the hyperbole of just like kind of just plopping our finger down and, and yep. picking something is how how do we go about doing that like do we just pick a chapter of the bible like, okay today i'm going to start with genesis and then you kind of just narrow in on something or is it how, so how does it i remember an article about the carmelite nuns in our diocese who are in danville okay and these are the original sisters who lived in elysburg okay um pre-2009 Okay, so the, the first community of Carmelites that were present in our diocese. I was reading an obituary of one of the sisters, and these Carmelite nuns, after the spirit of Teresa of Avila, did a lot of this Lexio Divina. And in the in the obituary of one of those nuns, it talked about the notebooks full of meditations that she left. Okay, because what she commented on at the end of her life was how on every page of the sacred scriptures that she read, on every page, she saw the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a priest 14 years. Sometimes, like a couple of days ago, reading from the book of Leviticus was the first reading. I said, oh, here we go. This is the most riveting liturgical readings of the entire year, you know, about, you know, all the rules and whatnot. I say that facetiously, right? It takes someone spiritually mature to be able to see the figure of Jesus Christ in this. For people who are starting out in prayer, begin with the life of Christ, begin with the Gospels. For our deacons, our seminarians in formation uh, to holy orders, read these letters of St. Paul, because his instructions to the church then are, this, are perennial. So for ministers, and, and so read those few lines. So go systematically. Don't just flip open a page and find something. Well, this looks interesting. I remember watching something on like television 25 years ago. And they said, look at this. 
In the King James Version of the Bible, Psalm 49 begins with shake, and the last word of Psalm 49 was spear, because the King James Bible was translated by William Shakespeare, and this was his way of giving an homage, and he was 49 years old. I'm thinking, oh, for crying out loud, well, I, I found a King James Bible. Oh, my God, it does. What are the chances? Come on, folks. You know what I mean? That's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch. It was probably a very happy, like a happy coincidence, happy accident, in, in the words of Bob Ross, right? But um, I think that we should go systematically, go through the life of Christ, the infancy, all the way through the passion. And then when we become good at this and we, we, we be, that relationship with Jesus grows, I think that we can go through um, psalms. Again, the psalms are, I think there's a wisdom, those little Bibles that the Gideons put out in hotels, the little ones. It's the Gospels or the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs because they can be very good for our spiritual benefit and for understanding ourselves in relationship, relationship to Jesus Christ. I mean, ultimately, you could be like that Carmelite nun, now deceased, who probably is a saint because of her ability to reflect on every page of the sacred scriptures. Most people aren't there yet. You know, I, I think that the life of Christ for, for your, you know, your average Catholic or whatever, um, our average Christian, there's a lot to meditate meditate on just in the life of Christ of, um, you know, say if it was the wedding feast at Cana, you know, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And then I start looking at myself and knowing my mom, where she's at, like, well, my mother would be there, you know, and, and, just that one line from John's gospel. Well, what are the emotions of going to a wedding? What are the emotions of going to a wedding with your mother? Is this an exciting thing or is it a frustrating thing? Okay. And what is my, my, is my mother cautioning me to use better manners? Or that, you know, why didn't you get your gift wrapped differently? You go through these emotions to be able to, and then you could meditate, you could pray about that. And then you could contemplate, you know, the fact that Jesus was invited to a wedding, but also then look at yourself, the fact that, and ultimately knowing the full breadth of scripture, the wedding that John speaks about more than anything else is the wedding feast of the Lamb, to which we are invited. Okay, so this is where we, I think we could draw the lines between the different realities of scripture. There's the story of the wedding of Canaan and Galilee, but of course, John will explode that in the book of Revelation to be the wedding feast of the Lamb, which is Jesus Christ as the bridegroom and this entire church, his bride. So anyway, so I, I think that these are some of the ways that you could pray over a passage, a line, time and again, but it's not a scientific Bible study. You know, you can do, you can get your Jerome biblical commentary and dissect the various meanings of verbs and whatnot. But the the way of praying with the scripture is to have that entirety of scripture as, as a conversation with the father who ultimately was the inspirer of, of the sacred scriptures. We've talked about it a couple of times about meditating and contemplating as part of this process. Can you expand a little bit on what it means to 
to meditate and then eventually to contemplate. Sure, sure. You know, especially with our young people, I from what I hear, um, practicing mindfulness is a rather popular thing right now. It's very but, popular. You know, um, and you talk to different people from different types of spirituality, they'll say, oh, it's demonic or it's whatever. And it's like, I, I would see it as a reflection that we are um, a, um, a, a religious being and we're looking, we are all looking for an encounter with the God who created us. All of creation bears the mark of its creator. And we want to return to the creator, which made, who made us. Okay. So I think that that whether it's mindfulness or meditation and people again they turn off everything and just like you know darken the room and try to get this inner knowledge i look at that like you know all sorts of things could fill in the void okay but ultimately what we have to fill it with is the God who created us. I'm a, I'm a man of faith. I'm a, I'm a Catholic Christian and I can't help but say, you'll be truly happy when you fill that void with the grace of Jesus Christ. Okay. So meditation in the Catholic sense is considering ourselves or considering God and that relationship between the two. Okay. So we meditate at the end of the night in the examination of conscience. Okay, what have I done? What have I failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault? So we're not just racking up what I did wrong today. It's more, Lord, this is how I've seen you. This is how I've borne witness to you. This is how I failed to live according to my beauty and, and, and my dignity. This is how I failed to recognize that beauty and dignity in others. Okay, there's a meditation there. I think the contemplation that there's an active sense and not we think of a meditation is maybe more passive i'm willing to be corrected by other priests or religious here but i think uh, you know when you have a contemplation there is this i i, I think there's a thrust there's a movement um of a spiritual advance okay so in the meditation it's like okay where do i find myself where do i find myself fitting in in this current relationship but then the contemplation is i need to make a resolution i can't just stay where i'm at i need to move forward and make an make a spiritual advance by god's grace i need to move forward in my spiritual life and not just remain where i am we've unfortunately run out of time but if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode you can listen to us anytime on spotify under candid catholic convos or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the Make a Donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.